Greetings, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast, episode number 70. Uh, This is an episode live from San Diego Comic-Con that happened a couple of months ago. Um, It was the panel that I was on, Career Advice for College Geeks. I just really appreciated the opportunity to speak to that group and to uh, just be involved and be able to share out uh, this goodness as well, not to only have it uh, be available to the folks that were in the room. So um, really appreciate you listening and so excited to be able to share this episode number 70 live from San Diego Comic-Con. Good morning, everyone. My name is Alex Belisario. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I work at the University of California, Santa Cruz, and I'm the moderator for this next panel, Career Advice for College Geeks. So um, as Brian mentioned, if you were in the first session, I am one of the original Geek Ed crew, and I'm excited to be here every year. It's actually exciting to be able to see you all and exchange ideas together and have new and interesting and different panelists going on. So um, I was going to give... our panelists this morning, a chance to introduce themselves briefly, um, where you work, your pronouns, and the geekiest thing you do at work. All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Emily Sandoval. I use she, her, hers pronouns. I am currently the Interim Associate Vice Provost for Student Affairs at the University of Southern California. Um, The geekiest thing I get to do in between going to a whole lot of meetings is decorating my office with my geekdom and my fandom. So I have a huge Pop Funko collection in the corner of my office that normally gets people to double take and look behind them and then look at me and then look back at the Pop figures. But I'm very proud of those Pop figures as well as some Hamilton artwork and Buffy the Vampire Slayer artwork I have in my office. Uh, my name is Keith Chow, he, him. I run a website called The Nerds of Color, but I'm also... Uh, I also work in um, public school education. I help, I'm an operations manager for a nonprofit. We work with urban schools around the country. Um, I also used to be a high school English teacher. Um, So we'll talk more about that. I guess, I mean, the geekiest thing I do is I run a website called The Nerds of Color. And uh, it's like the 24 seven geekiness. Um, I work from home, so like my office is, bespeckled with <laughs> toys and um, posters and everything. So it's like I, I live in it all the time. I, I need to get out of it sometimes. I feel like <laughs> I'm a little overwhelmed by it. Um, but yeah, that's me. Hi, everybody. Uh, Dustin Ramsdale, he, him, pronouns. And I am currently working as a senior student success lead for Needle Partners. We partner with universities to help develop uh, high-quality digital education programs. So. Uh, Nerdiest thing that I do is kind of more the, I mean, I, ha- I work remotely from home and I have a very uh, geeky office as well, which I always love seeing um, uh, other people's as well. But so I uh, have a side project I've been doing for a very long time called uh, Higher Ed Geek. So talking about higher ed, just geeking out about that, but also all the other things that I geek out about. Um, I've been writing on that blog for a long time. I've done a podcast there um, over a year and a half. So um, just really enjoy talking to interesting people and what they geek out about, and um, I've been podcasting in general for a very long time just because I love the medium, which I feel like is kind of I mean, more mainstream now, but it's sort of been geeky kind of, uh, kind of content medium, but um, so yeah, I think that would probably be the biggest uh, geeky thing. Hi everyone, my name is Asia Cook. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm currently a resident director at UCLA, 
And the geekiest thing that I have done for work was to plan a week-long Geek Week experience to help students um, plan and live out their different fandoms and learn a little something as well. Um, and then aside from that, my office is filled with DC comic art um, because I love DC comics. Great, thank you. Um, so we're, this morning we're talking a little bit about trying to link passion to profession and um, we know that this is a common challenge not just for our college students a lot of who we work with directly um, but for people in general and statistics say that workers in the U.S. are finding general job satisfaction and it's actually increased which is nice from like 48 to maybe even 60 percent um, but a, a smaller percentage in the mid 40s actually feel happy at work and only about 20% feel highly engaged in their work. And so one of the ways that people can feel engaged is to find their passion in what they're doing. Um, and so we were thinking that working in higher education, we can learn from Comic-Con and the folks who are here uh, ways to put those passions together in the workplace. So. Um, in particular, how we can help our students or ourselves find work that utilizes our passions um, and advice that we can pick up and share with each other um, for folks who have a particular skill set or a passion and how to look for that in their major or direction for career. So I have a few starter questions for the panel, and then we'll have a little bit of time for you to ask questions that you might have. So if, you're, um, if you have some that you've already thought of, then feel free to hold on to those for a little bit longer, and then we'll, we'll ask the group. So to begin, for you all, what is your career origin story, and how have you incorporated your geek passions into your career? All right, so I have been, uh, the majority of my career has been in residential life and housing at colleges and universities. So for me, along my profession, I um, fell into that. I really loved working with students. I love um, supervising professionals. I love team development, organizational management. I geek out about that. But in 2011, when Geek Ed first started, there was a group of student affairs professionals that got together to talk about what we were passionate about, and Alex and Elde in the audience are two of the original Geek Ed members along with myself, and we're not professors in the classroom, and we found a lot of work out there around teachers who were integrating geek pedagogy into the classroom, which was amazing, and you could take courses on philosophy and Harry Potter, and feminism, and there's articles on feminism in Joss Whedon, and that's fantastic, but we're outside of the classroom. So trying to incorporate my passion for working with students who identify as geeks and nerds, who in my generation were bullied for that. Some is, are still bullied. It is becoming more mainstream and cool to be geek. Um, thank you, Marvel and Star Wars, for that resurgence. But trying to do that, outside of the classroom connection is how I was able to incorporate my geek passion into my profession. And it was actually L Day in 2011 who looked at me and said, you're gonna go back to school and you're gonna write a dissertation on this. And I laughed at him, because why would any professor take me serious? But they did, I introduced myself as doctor. So my dissertation was about utilizing geek culture on a college campus to help students connect with each other and for us as professionals to create engagement opportunities outside of the classroom. 
So that's been fulfilling for me and enlightening for me that as a senior director of residential education and now an associate vice provost for student affairs, I can still keep my office a geeky space for the times I meet with professionals and students, but I could encourage my staff to create those opportunities and connect with students in their passion, um, which most people would look at us and think, oh, you can't exert your geek passion in your workplace, but I do and we do. Uh, <clears throat> my secret origin, I was minding my own business one day and I was bitten by a radioactive nerd. <laughs> and ever since, uh, no, uh, so I, as I said earlier, I was a high school teacher. Uh, when I came out of college, I went straight to the classroom. And from the, from the jump, I was incorporating comics. And I was an English teacher, so I was incorporating comics into my lesson plans. Um, one of the first lesson plans I gave as a high school teacher was I would give kids a, a, a quote-unquote silent comic, a comic without words, like an owly comic or something like that, um, and then ask them to read it. And the, the blank looks were like, Mr. Chow, there's no words, how can I read it? And then, you know, kind of build their um, multiple intelligences and build their media literacy to say that, like, reading isn't just pronouncing letters. It's, it's uh, using the images and words. And this is why I love comics. Comics kind of forces you to combine the text and the, and the image. And just from, so from Jump, I was always, uh, I wasn't ashamed to, to incorporate comics. I, I, had, I was lucky that my local comic shop, you know, when Free Comic Book Day was over, they would have the surplus of comics. They, could, they would just give them to me, so I was like, distribute them in the classroom. Um, and from that, is, I actually got a job working for Diamond Comic Distributors as their education marketing specialist, helping market comic books to the library and school markets. Um, and then just from there, I, you know, published a, a series of graphic novels um, focusing on Asian American superheroes, and that exposed me to the wider geek world. And then uh, from that, I, I formed the Nerds of Color as an as outlet to talk about representation in geek spaces. Because the, the, the interesting thing about being geek is that you're always kind of, uh, until now, right, before Marvel and everything, before Disney, actually, yeah. <laughs> uh, you were marginalized for your interests, for your pursuits. And then, as a person of color in a marginalized space, you were even further marginalized. And so I wanted to create a space where folks like us could talk about the things we love and also critique the things we love, because when you love something, you want to, you want to improve it. And uh, that's, that was the origin of the Nerds of Color. And we've been going strong ever since. Yeah, so I think for me, um, I was a really shy, uninvolved uh, nerd growing up, uh, just staying at home most of the time, playing video games with my brother, Certainly, some of the best memories of my life. But um, you know, even with that, it was only in college was I feeling kind of inspired and kind of compelled to like put myself out there, grow and learn, find my leadership style, communication style, um, and just being comfortable with who I was. So, obviously, um, wearing this shirt, college, just love college. Um, Want to you know pay it forward, help other students kind of find themselves, find their path, uh, whatever that is. So, uh, kind of parlayed. Um, being an RA, getting involved in campus, uh, to pursuing a master's degree in higher ed. And after working full-time as a resident, resident director for two years, um, something I may talk a little, a little bit more about um, later on, but like found my kind of current spot in higher ed tech and a through line for me of just like how can my nerdiness or geekiness is sort of manifesting is that I've always... I've written and podcast and just try to put myself out there in a very authentic way. And 
I can distinguish myself and form really authentic connections that have helped me to um, meet really great professionals, learn so much, and um, find job opportunities just myself and wanting to at least be able to role model that for others of just the value of building those uh, really authentic connections, even digitally, um, which may not maybe kind of pay dividends until much later, but um, really just trying to uh, build those connections that's been, um, you know, really a big way that my uh, nerdy interest have manifested for me is just uh, being myself and making those authentic connections. Um, for me, in order to know uh, who I am and the work that uh, influences me every day is uh, that I was a first-generation college student, a person of low income, and also a person who identified as a person of color. And so that greatly influenced my experience um, when I went to school. Um, I'm originally from New York City, and I went to school in Vermont. Um, so very, very different environment. Um, and growing up and being in a different environment and it being very foreign to me, um, my fandoms and geekiness um, was always a place where I felt like I could truly be myself and be unapologetic of who I was. Um, and then I found another um, medium to use geek culture as a teaching mechanism to students. In my graduate school program, um, I just happened to be talking about uh, Law and Order SVU and um, the conversations that you can have around uh, violence and relationship violence and things of that nature. And people who also really liked that program, um, they started having really good conversations about um, the learning and understanding what that means. And so for me, it was a light bulb of I can use people's fandoms and um, as a way of connecting uh, social issues to something that's really popular. And so from that instance, I try really hard um, to continue to incorporate that into the work that I do. Great, thank you. I realize that there are a few people here now who may not have been here for the first session. So um, just by a show of hands, how many of you work in higher ed? Oh, more than before, excellent. Excellent. Um, and how many of you are students? Maybe looking, thinking about careers? Okay, good, that's good to know. Um, Dustin, we're gonna start with you on the next question. Was there a turning point where you had to take a leap of faith and move into a new direction without guarantee or success? Yeah, so kind of what I was getting at with, uh, I didn't want to get ahead of myself because I feel like this is kind of its own uh, piece of my story. So graduated from my master's program, uh, went and worked full-time as a resident director up in Maine for two years. Uh, wasn't the best fit, you know, learned a lot in that experience, but was looking for my next opportunity, was looking for something really different, still wanted to work in higher ed, uh, and I stumbled across an opportunity working uh, with a similar company, a different one that, than where I work now, uh, that is essentially a coach for students that are enrolled in online degree programs. They're, you know, they're a company that partners with the universities. Um, they support those students that are in those programs that they've uh, helped to build out. And that transition was moving from Maine to Maryland fairly quickly, doing a job that I had never done before. Um, I'd never worked one-on-one -on -one coaching students in graduate degree programs on like every part of it I had never done it before um, obviously a large distance to move it was a completely different culture of a ed tech company uh, versus an institution and 
uh, I mean, I got the job, and like I had to kind of talk myself up of just like they chose you for a reason. Like you have transferable skills; it's worthwhile. And it was definitely a very tough experience. I was, you know, I did that job for uh, over two years, but. Uh, I'm typically kind of humble to a fault, but I know when I like tell people, it's like, oh yeah, you know, this thing or that thing about like, you know, my story, they're just like, wow, I mean, that seemed like it was a lot of change at once, and like, I was probably pretty tough to deal with and everything. It's like, yeah, you know what, it was kind of tough at times, but um, trying to now like really kind of take hold of that story to talk with students, talk with other professionals who might be like feeling stuck, not sure what to do. One, that there's just within my kind of realm of knowledge, like, there's a large diversity of opportunities within higher ed, and I know, especially as kind of our world and economy is changing, it's like make sure that you're not um, kind of getting tunnel vision where it's like I can only do what I've done before. It's, you know, if you're very confident and communicate well about uh, the way that you can contribute to any organization, the outcomes you can achieve, then, you know, your world opens up a lot, and that, um, you know, as long as you have people you know, mentors, family, friends, like, and you're, you're making really intentional choices about any sort of big change and leap that you might be making, you know, you'll be able to have that faith to make that leap. Like, you're going to be able to make it confidently enough, even knowing that there's a lot of stuff you might not know about, um, and you'll be able to, to handle that. And certainly, like, recognizing now where it's, like, anything tough coming up, I'm like, you know what, I've been able to handle some tough stuff in the past. I'm, you know, going to have a little bit more confidence and um, I think that'll just continue to compound and hopefully be also able to convey um, that journey and those successes to other people um, if they're looking to make some kind of big change. So, um, yeah, it's definitely uh, something that I, I think about often now of like, you know, pretty, pretty big achievement for me. That's great. Yeah. Are there others who have a leap of faith kind of example they want to share? I mean, for me, I... I uh, as I said, I, I still have a day job aside from working with the Nerds mm -hmm. of Color. I work for a nonprofit, um, and it's fortunate that they give me the flexibility to also run this, like, in, basically it's kind of become its own institution in a way. Um, I can come out to Comic-Con, and I, I do a podcast, and I write a blog, and it's like I, I, I'm able to juggle both, but it is still a juggle, and it was a, it was a choice I had to make. Um, but I think I, I come from this idea, especially being Asian American, there's a stereotype that like, you know, you can't pursue the arts, you can't pursue, you have to be an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer, and that's it. And I, you know, I mean, I have a daughter and her, she's, she was supposed to be here, but she's like, I'm, I did four days of Comic-Con, Dad, I'm going to just stay home. <laughs> um, but, you know, she's telling her, I want to be an author, I want to be an actress, and I feel like as an as an Asian American, even like that, to, to kind of like break through that, break from that stereotype of like forcing your kids into like one path and, and having that tunnel vision, I think it's an important thing um, to to kind of use to to follow your passion, right? Mm -hmm. And and I would I encourage her to if she wants to be on Broadway, go for it. Like you know you want you want to be the next Lin Manuel Miranda, do it. Um, and I think for me that's the leap of faith. Mm -hmm. It's to follow follow what you want to do. And if your passion is engineering, great. But if your passion is playwriting. That's great, too. Yeah, definitely. I think some of the conversations that we've had recently revolve around this idea that if you have a geeky or a nerdy passion, that somehow it means you're also into science. Um, right. And that's definitely not true. There's all kinds of areas where you can um, share those passions that don't have to do with math or science. Right. Yeah. Okay, so as we're talking about success stories, Emily, you want to share a success story um, with someone that you've coached or mentored 
into pursuing nerdiness? Yes, well, and I think not so much the coaching and mentoring, but creating those spaces for students. I think as a professional, as a woman, as a geek, um, there was instances where when I worked at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, if the students wanted to do a geek-themed program, and we did our Geek Week event, I did it off of the success and the ideas of the students. So at USC, um, while we're easily connected to industry, um, our students are very, very driven over there, and I realized if I wanted to do a geek-themed program, I needed a reverse table, which means during the student org fair, I went around with my business card and a flyer that said, do you want to participate in a geek week? And I found the geek student orgs. And there um, was a woman I met. Her name is Alina Lewis. So Alina, if you're watching this, hi. Um, she just graduated from USC, but she approached me to do a women in comics panel last year, and then this past spring, um, a women in comics and animation panel. And for me as a professional, and where the geekiness isn't part of my day-to-day -day necessarily, what I could do is help foster that idea, reserve the space, find the funding for her, and to create that um, niche and help her advertise for this event. And she got an internship her last semester at USC because she was able to speak, a be speak about the Geek Week panel we did the year before. So just opening that door for a student, and because I gave her the leeway, you contact the artists on Twitter, which actually worked and it was amazing. And people responded to her because she was a student. Mm -hmm. And actually saw one of the artists at Artist Alley at, on, on Friday just to say hello and thank her again for talking to our students. But Alina was able to use that as a springboard into her career. And that was amazing. Just the leap of faith to take that initiative to reach out to me, say, hey, you said you're a geek and you want to do these events. And she was part of the comic book club. And it was amazing to just give her that opportunity. Asia, do you have a story of mentorship that you want to share? Story of mentorship. Um, yes, I do, actually. Um, a student, um, I remember this was back in grad school, um, and a student was studying um, met for, they were pre-med, and they wanted to somehow debunk, um, like create a program to debunk a lot of the um, med the things that they embellish sometimes in Hollywood. Um, and so they created a program um, and watched like a couple of episodes of a medical drama. And they went with a faculty member to say, hey, can you help us um, and debunk some of these like myths that are on TV. And it was really engaging because um, the students, they were really invested in this is this show is really really popular and sometimes people get their medical knowledge from these <laughs> shows but it's also really important to try and um, pull apart what is myth and what is actually true and how can we use it in everyday life. And so I was like, I know nothing about medical, that's why I'm in higher ed. Um, <laughs> but if you want, I will be your champion and, and uh, help you reach out. And so they reached out to um, a faculty member in a medical school. Uh, they um, then came in and facilitated the program watched the TV series, and then that was it. And so I think that showed a level of um, using media as a way 
uh, to connect and using fandoms as a way to connect, mm -hmm. and then also to teach things uh, to students outside of, hey, this is something that you like. Yeah, because they often make those connections with the things they see on TV more yes. than, because maybe they don't know a doctor or some other medical right. professional. Yeah, that reminds me of a faculty member we have at UC Santa Cruz who was a, who was a very well-known forensic anthropologist. And I'm like, oh, like bones. And she's like, no, <laughs> not like bones. Everybody says that all the time. Right, absolutely. I'm like, oh, sorry. Okay, yeah, exactly. Right, you don't have an idea that that's what's going on there. Um, so what kinds of advice do you have to share with our audience today um, about following your passions, building your careers? Well, I know um, some of the notes I jotted down from this, because um, I think it's something I know some people have found helpful, and I know it was very refreshing for me when I have read about this in some books and stuff. It's um, the book is Real Artists Have Day Jobs. It's a very good book, super easy read, but that idea sort of like really broke down notions of like, you know, I'm doing, you know, and you have the idea is like you have a job, but you're still pursuing these kind of side projects is really meaningful, but if you had, in certain instances, had to make that immediately gainfully employing and like do all the things that are required with running a company and like paying people and all that, it's like, it'd be really stressful. It actually ruins the thing that you're like really into. So um, giving things space and time doing them kind of lean or like prototyping things and testing them out to see how it works out, see how it feels um, and not feeling like, because I think some of the zeitgeist out there, you know, these sort of entrepreneurial, you know, startup ventures or whatever, it's just like, you know, quit everything, cast everything aside and just like pursue your dreams with, you know, you know, whatever, just like, I don't think that that's actually like applicable to most people. They can't just abandon a full-time job and just forego all responsibilities to give it all to one thing you can really get a lot of meaning and a lot of great outcomes out of something without putting a lot of pressure on it to be the thing that you do that pays all of your bills and is like the biggest thing in the world. So um, so that, not everyone has a benefactor. Just... <laughs> right, right. No one is going to get, yeah, like be this unicorn and get like, you know, millions and millions in funding immediately and whatever. Um, so I think it, it because that's been my path. I've been writing and podcasting for years, and I love it. But if it had to be the only thing that I did, I, I you know, would be stressed out all the time, and it would be sort of forcing my hand when I've been able to otherwise keep a full-time job in the field that I love to work in, be gainfully employed, and like take breaks when I need to and bring it back, and but still forge a lot of really great connections and have a lot of learning happening for me and share out learning with others. Um, so it doesn't really... Um, negate the impact at all, but it helps to alleviate some of the, the pressure. So I think that that can be helpful for professionals, but also working with students if they're trying to figure out what they want to do. It could be find a job that gives you the quality of life to still work on the things that you really enjoy and allow them to sort of be nurtured over time versus like forced to be, you know, the next big thing or whatever. Um, I actually have a very similar story. I mean, I, I think part of finding your passion isn't just the necessarily the geeky pursuit, but be passionate about the thing that you do. Um, you know, like I said, my day job is, is still working with uh, public schools. It's still working in education. That's still a, it's a passion as well, right? Like, so um, I think, like, find, find a job that you, and, and that sounds kind of like, yeah, just find a job that you like. Like, that's not that's not the best advice. I apologize. Just like that. Just like that. Just find the job you like. What's wrong with you? Um, but no. But I think. But it, it does help to have to, to to like what you do, 
And then, and then when you're doing the side projects, it doesn't feel like work, right? It's like this, like you are really engaging your passion. Uh, you know, I, like I, I do a, I mean, I'm, we're fortunate also that we don't necessarily do a nine to five. Like we, when you work from home, you have more flexibility. But, I, I, but again, I enjoy the work that I do so that the Nerds of Color stuff doesn't feel like an added thing. I think similarly, if it was like I had to run it like a business, <laughs> I, would be, I would be kind of stressed out. At the same time, I would say that um, this, the elephant in the room is, is you know, money, right? Mm -hmm. And I think as, you know, as a society, we put a lot of uh, uh, pressure on money. We, we, we kind of assume college is, is like a you know, job factory. If you don't go to, you know, you have to go to college and, I mean, this is why we need free college, but anyway. Um, but you go to college to get a skill, to get a job, and then you go, when you just plug in the cog into the machine. And I think we, we need to kind of recalibrate how we view education. And, and if, you, if you follow like a major or a passion that, that you are interested in, those skills are transferable to any job, really. You know what I mean? Like, like, like I said earlier, no, no shade to any engineering majors in the room. But like that doesn't have, if that's not your thing, that doesn't have to be your thing. If you're if you're like toiling away at like a law degree, but really you just you just want to write, you know I say this as an English major, <laughs> go study literature. You know like don't don't feel obligated because you think that you know whatever university you're attending is just a, a job factory. That that shouldn't be what college is. I'll jump in because you're right. You need to be passionate about what you do, and I've been very lucky at every institution I've worked at. I've absolutely loved my job. Um, even probably the most stressful times, I'm still grateful and thankful I get to work with students and the people that I do. Um, but other than money, time yeah. is also a factor. Um, so I think my advice would be find a place where you could also be, number one, your authentic self. I often lead with the fact that I'm Chicana, I'm a geek, and I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. And I'm very lucky that every institution I've worked, I've been able to be that open with my fandom. But it also helps me build relationships with my department. And I have a very large department um, and a large group of people I work with. But there's a number of us that play Pokemon Go. There's a smaller number getting into Wizards Unite right now. Mm -hmm. um, one of my staff members, Corey, is the, hi, Corey, the biggest Marvel fan I know. Um, and I know he's always coordinating the movie outings after work for Marvel. And it's being OK that our lunchtime conversations sometimes bridge into the geek world which I apologize to my staff members who are not geeks, mm -hmm. but we have a lot of fun, and it's a, I foster that environment in the department that during lunch, have the fun. Um, they even said one time when Smash Brothers came out, hey, Emily, could we hook up a Nintendo Switch after work on the office in the conference room television? I said, yes, and let me know what day so I could be there. So places where you could be your authentic self are so important, and the time aspect, when you're passionate about it, I said a year ago, and I'm still having made progress on it, but I have an idea for a book about geek culture and connection and engagement outside of the classroom on a college campus and an anthology that many people in this room could contribute a chapter to. And that's still something I'm playing around with, but oftentimes the, the real job um, gets in the way of the time to spend on my passion. So I'm trying to find that balance because I've chosen to continue to move up in student affairs. So my time is a little more stretched sometimes, but I'll get there. I think for me is to recognize that you have to be in control and, and be unapologetically yourself. 
Um, I think sometimes um, it's very easy to fall into a mindset of the environment, the expectations that's set on us, the um, the things that we are quote unquote supposed to do or supposed to act and sometimes lose ourselves in that. Um, but I also think it's really important that you take some time to pause and to say, you know, who am I really? What do I want to project? What sphere of influence do I have around me? And so when times I, um, I thought of like, okay, how do I want to express myself at work? The first thing was I can decorate my office into a DC shrine. And you know what? No one can say anything about it. Um, even if it's DC. E- even if it's DC. <laughs> I Just kidding. No. Yes. I have, I have um, impassioned discussions with people who are Marvel fans, but you know what? That's okay because my office is DC. Um, Not everyone can be perfect. Exactly. <laughs> Not everyone can be perfect. <laughs> um, so I think taking that opportunity to recognize what is important to you and how do you want to do your self-expression is really important and to bring some of that authenticity into the work that you do. I'll add one more thing. I mean, just in terms of like the advice of like the process to get, because I think it's just this tall order of just like, you know, yeah, find something that you really enjoy and do that. And, you know, um, because I'd be remiss, like I have learned so much working more in like digital education spaces. And there's so many different ways to like take short courses, just one off that are like, only a month or two long, lower cost, online degree programs, like boot camps, and like they cover a whole you know litany of content areas. And I know for me, um, the a previous panel, we, there was somebody from uh, UC Irvine, and they have a um, series of short courses on esports. And I took one of those, and it was amazing. And I'm just like that idea of like how is esports coming into the collegiate environment? I'm like, some way, somehow, maybe y'all like kind of head in that direction. But it like allowed me to like within a very short amount of time, dramatically increase my knowledge and like meet all these other people that are either working in the industry or um, are also interested in it. So um, just so many different educational platforms and opportunities uh, and then also just um, coming out to stuff like this is an an amazing step of uh, conferences and events and things that might be um, not, you know, sort of top of mind or, you know, the things that people would think of first like if there's like all those standard options we're like well everybody goes to you know this monthly event or something it's like well what else can I do like what's something that's maybe a little bit you know sort of chasing more what I'm looking for Um, so I know working in higher ed there's kind of like a standard list of the uh, organizations and things that you uh, are kind of expected to be a part of but stuff like this or south by southwest or there's like online learning uh, organizations and events that go on for me I'm like I want to try to go there because I feel like those that's where I'm going to meet even more different people because I've already tried everything else and I've kind of had a foundation there so it's and again that's also it's not a zero-sum game it's like I can go to all of them right you know you can start to just like mm-hmm. kind of diversify and mix up what you think are just the only options you have it's like I think there's so many other great opportunities for learning and connection out there and I think yeah. one other thing I'm sorry to, no, to keep going on this but I think for, in a lot of a lot of like the nerdy or geeky uh, in pursuits like a lot of the barriers to entry are kind of lower than they used to be like mm-hmm. I, I, if, if you set your expectations right like if you're just thinking like I want to be a comic book artist and I'm going to work for DC like that you know that's not realistic but but DC and Marvel aren't the only games in town mm-hmm. you know like there's there's what I was actually talking to some publishers last night and like right now the comics industry is quite beautiful because mm-hmm. it's not just the two superheroes right it's you have boom studios you have 
uh, Im you know, Image is kind of like third biggest now, but like you have Boom Studios, you have, uh, you know, Lion Forge. You used to have Lion Forge. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you have like a Wave Blue World, which is a new publisher. Like you, there's so, and you have comics, uh, uh, Comicsology doing digital comics. You have Kickstarter. Like there's so many barriers to entry that are kind of gone now in the digital age. Or if you want to be on YouTube, if you want to do a podcast, like there are ways to, to pursue like your nerdy passions without thinking I have to work for Marvel. I have to have like I have to do like you know I have to do my podcast and do like I don't know your parachute sheet reads. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't, if you set your expectations, not set them lower, but like more realistic, right. you can right. still pursue the thing you want to do and 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 do a, uh, and and excel at it, and without thinking like well I'm not you know, drawing from Marvel, so I'm a failure. Right. Well, because I think, like, some people have, like, fostered small but very dedicated audiences, and that's sometimes all you need if you have, like, several hundred really committed fans. That could be enough if you're, yeah, streaming, podcasting, writing, drawing, or whatever, versus, yeah, like, a very limited view of what success means. Great for everybody, especially great for students, as you're kind of forming conceptions of what it means to be, you know, successful, like, you know, adult and those sort of things. So, um, yeah, I think that's really great. Really great advice. Well, and it made me think about having a broader view of what you want to go into or what's open to you. So um, can you share with everyone what your undergrad degree was? Like mine was applied mathematics, so math and computer science. Mine was English literature. Creative writing, poetry. History with a minor in leadership. Political science. Humanities, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, what it's saying is that really any of the majors can take you in any of the directions. It's not that you have to think once you're committed to one thing that that somehow determines your path for life. Yeah. Well, I want also want to add, mm -hmm. as a professional, there's a lot of education professionals, higher ed, K-12, who I've known have taken those transferable skills because we often talk about our students, mm -hmm. right? And we've talked about those of us that exude our geek passions, and I'm thinking about friends that I know who are artists and also work in higher education, P. Doodles, follow her, Lisa Slavid. But I've also had friends who've taken their transferable skills from higher ed and student affairs into Google, into Disney. So also not noticing within ourselves that we have other talents that could be utilized even outside of what we do into geeky companies that we might really like. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so we're starting to run a little bit short on time. I'm going to ask one more question of the panel, and then if you all have questions that you want to ask, we'll have a little bit of time for that. But are there any promising career pathways that you see coming up for students these days? Just to echo previous uh, sh uh, sessions here today, I mean, for me, like, I took a course on it, so I'm like really plugged into like esports and streaming and those sort of things. I think it's to me it's a very promising because uh, – I've known some people and talked to them on my podcast that stream full-time. Like, they're able to, like, be freelance, remote, flexible. They're building community, communication, and, like, branding and all that. Like, all that stuff is super, like, important. And it, again, would be transferable if you choose to do a lot of other things. So I think at least supporting the kind of learning and educational outcomes of things like esports and, you know, being on, like, a team and doing that kind of stuff, I feel like that... It's really exciting to me and also, again, working in, like, the digital space, an online student for an institution or a commuter student or an adult, an adult learner could be just as engaged as a residential student. So I think it really can kind of democratize involvement there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I sort of, I think I'm seeing, like, I think a lot of promise in things like, you know, like, 
digital media and analytics and like project management and like any of these things where it's just like you're learning a specialization, but it's also like really applicable in a lot of different areas. So like if you're getting into like, yeah, I can like make really great graphics and art and do whatever, it's like a lot of people need good branding and good imagery and like all that kind of stuff. So um, if you really like to, to draw or just make things like that, getting any sort of credential, whether it's a certificate or taking short courses or any of that, you know, even start to do that as like a side project. But um, and even for me, uh, like seeing that there's more education going into like craft beer, like just like really like hobby, like things that have been hobbies for a really long time for people, you can get kind of quantified learning and parlay that to be like, you know what, I would really love to like work in that space. Like, again, there's so many great edu like educational platforms and opportunities to help like distinguish yourself and get you in the direction that you want to go. So those are some of the things that I feel like are promising pathways, like, you know, can I just throw public service? Um, I think a lot of, the, we, we think a lot, you know, we always think of private industry when we think about getting work, but I think there are a lot of uh, public service jobs that these skills are, and, and, and when you're a nerd and when you're passionate, like, I think that, that helps because, you know, you, you feel, you know, they call us the, the Justice League for a reason, you know, and you, and you believe in justice, and I feel like if you have that the kind of, like, moral clarity, you know, you should follow a path in public service, too. Mm -hmm. Because we need that now more than ever. No kidding. <laughs> Anybody else? Okay. So, um, do any of you have questions for our panelists? Go ahead. From the look of the panelists, no, that's never happened before. It depends if they're Marvel fans, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can start. So um, many, many moons ago, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. So I worked in this like law firm for an internship, and I came one day wearing a Batman T-shirt and. Uh, underneath like a blazer. I thought it was fine. You know, that's business <laughs> casual, right? Um, <laughs> and my supervisor came to me and said, you know, that's really great. However, you know how they try and sneak in, you know, lay it, lay it soft. Um, and they told me that the shirt wasn't appropriate. And I, at first I was really bumped out and I was like, oh, but this is, you know, my thing. But um, going back to it, I recognizing what is my sphere of influence, what can I do um, once I got that, that, that pushback. So uh, if a whole t-shirt is inappropriate, then I wore a Batman lapel pin um, the entire time. So really trying to find the things that I could do and really operate within that sphere of influence. And I think at first hearing that no was a sting um, because it was a form of my self-expression, but then trying to find a different medium where I could um, have that self-expression. So if it's a smaller thing to appear you know, more professional, that's fine. Um, but I, I really trying to operate in my, my realm and make the most of that. 
Shout out to Hero Within. It's a clothing company that makes like uh, nerdy formal wear. Like nice. so, you can wear like button downs and like dresses and blazers okay. with like the bat on it, and it's dope. Really? So. <laughs> Let's yeah. Check out Hero Within. I, I will second that. I've like been like, oh, what? Like, what do I want to get? But I think it, yeah, it's a good thing. Like, I don't think we've all faced that like full, you know, kind of brunt of kind of people pushing back on it because I've had quite the opposite, but. I think it is just like, yeah, different industries, like working in a law firm, probably acknowledge that like, they're probably not going to have you yeah, be like, oh, I could just wear whatever I want kind of thing, mm-hmm. adjust when you need to. But again, just the diversity of opportunities out there, acknowledging where like, I think great places allow for people just to like, to dress to the day kind of thing. If it's like, hey, we do have somebody like visiting, mm-hmm. maybe dress up. If not, like be comfortable and just get your work done kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful at least I've been in environments have been very supportive. But um, yeah, I think the advice would be like, you know, don't like push on that, I guess, too much, but yeah. Yeah. And I think also as you move up potentially where you are, if you can role model that it is entirely possible to have the Funko pop in your office and still be a professional, um, that it helps to that, um, Brian, actually I'll shout out to Brian who's right here. He and I, um, both have all sorts of nerdy things in our offices and they're very tasteful. And so I think people enjoy them quite a bit and have seen them long enough, one, to ask about them, but also just to be fine with the fact that they're there. Yeah. And did you have a question? Okay. That's fine. That's fine. And what's RCC? Ah, Okay. Did you all hear the question? Yes. So it was as an RCC student to be with ideas on paper, where would you we recommend that you start? Visit Artist Sally. Um, talk at cons, and not just at San Diego Comic Con, but even look at the smaller cons, WonderCon. There's a mm-hmm. smaller comic convention, I think, in Ontario that just happened a little bit ago. So go talk to artists, both writers, um, people who draw, Show them your ideas, talk with them. I found that they're really open and willing to talk with up-and-coming students, and they're willing to share their ideas. So smaller conventions are awesome for that. Go to the panels where writers exist. Um, ideas on paper, because I'm not sure if you're drawing or you have ideas for short films, both. Comics, go to the smaller conventions, but don't be afraid to approach them, even at the larger cons like this. They're very open to talk with young people, especially about their ideas and fostering that. And then also to start off, um, it could be really nerve-wracking, and sometimes you might be afraid to hear no, unfortunately. Um, but take that as a, um, a challenge of feedback for you to continue to work and grow on your craft. Um, so continue writing everything, do a brain dump, write, start a blog, start um, putting things down on paper and start sharing it. Um, Share it with your friends who will give you honest feedback. Share it with your family. Um, Share it through different mediums and uh, absolutely explore those avenues that Emily just suggested. Yeah, and I'd say, yeah, definitely have just like some sort of digital home so that people can find you. Um, I mean, I love, like, I love Twitter because that's just the way I've made a lot of connections for like people to podcast or just like interesting people to follow and um, depending on if it's more of a visual medium, obviously Instagram is huge for that or like, um, I mean, even like, I mean, Reddit, there's some very mm-hmm. engaging yes. uh, like communities there for like very niche things. And again, yes. it's like, you don't have to be like, oh, whatever I'm doing needs to have like millions upon millions of viewers and stuff like that. You can find 
kind of target audiences to uh, share things with. But I think it's definitely very helpful to have some sort of digital home that people can find you at, like, I mean, LinkedIn page, you know, even this kind of like the baseline. So, Thanks for asking that. So I think we're just about out of time. We'll hang out here for a little bit after the session in case you have questions that you didn't get a chance to ask. But thanks so much for being with us. This podcast is part of the Connect EDU podcast network, bringing together diverse voices in the higher ed community. Check us out on Twitter at ConnectEDUPod or at ConnectEDU.network. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.